Hey guys, I'm recording this after I already recorded the entire episode, but I totally forgot to mention major, major spoiler alerts for this HBO Max slash Max, whatever you want to call it, series. So if you have not watched The Staircase yet on HBO Max or Max, whatever it's on, stop now. If you have, take a listen. Thanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Three Fates Decide. My name is Sam, and I am doing a solo episode, uh, kind of a part one to a two-parter on uh, another true crime series. Uh, As you may remember, we have, you know, kind of started this journey on, you know, maybe once a month doing some true crime uh, episodes, and this is just another one on the list. So, For this episode, we are going to be focusing on the new series or newer series that was on HBO Max. There's also a docu-series on Netflix um, that I will be doing in the part two, but we're going to focus mostly on the HBO Max or now Max series called The Staircase, which stars Colin Firth. You think you know what we're going to talk about. And welcome back to Three Fates Decide. It just sounds more dramatic that way. All right. So this week we are going to be talking about... But just when you least expect it, we changed the game. One Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. I mean, we always celebrated Easter. Here's part of the Half-Blood Prince. So we're going to do another free talk, freestyle thing. No planned discussion. At the end of the day, only one thing matters. We decide. We're going to hit the, the, the main highlights. That is the thing that we were saying back in that episode. Quick recap. Three Fates Decide podcast. And the staircase focuses on the Michael Peterson trial. Michael Peterson was a crime novelist who was tried for murdering his second wife, Kathleen Peterson, on December 9th, 2001. He was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole on October 10th, 2003. He did appeal once to the North Carolina Court of Appeals, which was rejected, and then to the North Carolina Supreme Court. Uh, He was not able, obviously, to get out. He then motion for a new trial in 2009, which was denied, and then finally had a new trial granted on December 16th of 2011. And then finally, on February 24th, 2017, he entered what's called the Alford plea and was had the charge dropped from murder to manslaughter, which changed the sentence to 86 months in prison which he had already served, so he was then set free. So I'm going to go over a little bit of the backstory of the Michael Peterson trial and then focus mostly on the series on Max. Part two, which will come probably in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be focusing on the docu-series, which is on Netflix. So just for a really quick backstory on the trial, on December 9th, 2001, Michael Peterson called emergency services on 911 to report that he had just found his wife, Kathleen Peterson, unconscious in their home in Durham, North Carolina. 
and he thought she fell down like 15 to 20 steps. He wasn't 100% sure. He mentioned that she was still breathing and then he hung up. He then called back a couple minutes later and said she was no longer breathing. Ambulance was already on the way and the police got there and there was just so much blood all over the, the place and it just was horrible. He claimed that he had been outside by the pool and had come in about 2.40 a.m. to find Kathleen at the foot of the stairs. And he just said that she must have fallen fallen down the stairs after she had consumed some alcohol and Valium. Autopsy report showed that she had sustained several severe injuries, including a fracture to the superior cornu of the left thyroid cartilage and seven lacerations to the top and back of her head, which is consistent with blows from a blunt object and did indeed died from the blood loss 90 minutes to two hours after she sustained those injuries. On Michael's defense team, they did hire a forensic expert, Henry Lee, who testified that the blood splatter evidence was consistent from an accidental fall down the stairs. Meanwhile, police concluded that the injuries were inconsistent with such a case. And Peterson was the only person at the residence at the time of the death, and he became the prime suspect almost immediately and was very soon charged with murder, and he pleaded not guilty. The medical examiner, Deborah Radish, concluded that Mrs. Peterson had died from lacerations of the scalp caused by an assault. She counted a total of seven lacerations to the top and back of the head, which were a result of repeated blows with a light yet rigid weapon. The defense completely disputed the theory, and according to the analysis, the lacerations were not consistent with any blows of any sort because there was a lack of an underlying injury, such as a skull fracture or bruising or swelling or hemorrhaging of the brain, which most of the time when you are hit with an object in the head, it, that does happen. The prosecution um, really attacked Michael's credibility and focused on a lot of his lies, like he lied about uh, or misreporting of his military service, and then it came out that he was a bisexual and kept it a secret and had several affairs during his marriage to Kathleen. And they kind of used this as the main motive that Kathleen must have found out and got into an argument with him. They also thought possibly the $1.5 million in life insurance um, could have also possibly played as a motive to the murder. The defense argued that Kathleen had indeed accepted Michael's bisexuality and that their marriage was extremely happy. They had a really hard time even finding someone who mentioned that the two of them fought at all. Their kids have even said they had a fantastic marriage as far as they know. However, Kathleen's daughter from her first marriage, after she saw the autopsy report, immediately thought that Michael did kill her mother along with Kathleen's sister. So she had completely separated herself from the rest of the kids. There was also talk about what possibly could have caused the damage and death. Something, or Kathleen's sister mentioned that she had given Kathleen a custom-made fireplace poker called a blow poke and that it was missing when the cops were searching 
So that must have been the murder weapon. However, the defense did eventually find it in the garage and said that cops must have overlooked it. Apparently, after the trial, a juror said that they, the jury really didn't think it was the blowpoke that was the murder weapon. So I don't think there was ever any murder weapon besides that discussed in the trial. Another thing that hurt Michael was the discussion of Elizabeth Ratliff, who was a friend of Michael Peterson and his first wife, Patricia, when they lived in Germany. In 1985, she had apparently also been found dead at the bottom of a staircase in her German home. Now, German police, U.S. military police did an investigation. They uh, concluded that her death was from uh, an intracerebral hemorrhage from a coagulation disorder that she had called von Willebrand's disease and that she must have had a hemorrhage and that caused her to fall down the stairs. And according to the nanny of Elizabeth's two daughters, Michael was the last person to see Elizabeth alive. They were able to exhume Elizabeth's body that was buried in Texas for a second autopsy. They brought the body to Durham and had the same uh, doctor do another autopsy as with Caitlin. The defense didn't like that. They thought maybe uh, a non-biased third party should have done it in Texas, but they were denied of that. And the Durham ME found sufficient evidence drawn from the second autopsy, along with new witness statements from the nanny that overturned the earlier findings from accidental to homicide because apparently there was similar markings on the back of her head. And the prosecution used this as Michael being able to, you know, fake Kathleen's accident and get away with murder a second time. Now, Kathleen and Michael had several children, but none together. As I mentioned, Kathleen had a daughter from her first marriage. Michael had two boys from his first marriage. And then Elizabeth's two daughters, Michael and Patty had kind of adopted in a way. And when Michael married Kathleen, the girls kind of joined their family called Kathleen mom, Michael dad. And that was their kind of mixed family. And um, all the kids except for uh, Kathleen's daughter, believe that Michael could not have done anything like this. Kathleen's daughter, Caitlin, in October of 2002, filed a wrong death claim against Michael. In June of 2006, he uh, voluntarily filed for bankruptcy. Two weeks later, Caitlin filed an objection to the bankruptcy. And on February 1st, 2007, Caitlin and Peterson settled the wrongful death claim for $25 million pending acceptance by the courts involved. The finali the finalization of the settlement was announced February 1st, 2008. But back to the trial on October 10th, 2003, after one of the longest trials in North Carolina history, the jury found Peterson guilty of murder of the first degree and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. What that basically means is that the jury found that even if it was seconds before the murder, they didn't consider it a spur of the moment. And there was some sort of premeditation 
whether it was minutes, seconds, whatever, he thought about what he wanted to do and then he did it. And as a result, he was not eligible for parole at all. As I mentioned before, he had filed, he had filed a couple of appeals which were denied both by the regular appeals court and then the superior court. There was other theories that had come out while he was in prison about what could have possibly happened based on the shape of the injuries on Kathleen's head. One was an owl theory that she had been attacked by a barred owl outside and then rushed inside and had been knocked unconscious after hitting her head when she kind of fell down the stairs from being injured by the owl. Um, There was supposedly some feathers or something found in her hair and, you know, but basically that didn't really come, nothing really came much of that. That kind of came from their neighbor and who was like a big bird expert, but it, it, nothing ever really came of it. Eventually though, he did get a chance to have a retrial because it had been determined that the SBI, which basically was like a third party company that did testing for criminal cases to determine the possibility of what happened in a certain case. Apparently there was an independent audit and it had been found that the agency had falsely represented a lot of evidence for different cases, including, and was withholding negative results in certain cases, like another case, Greg Taylor, who had spent 17 years in prison on a murder conviction based on this one man, uh, Deaver, Dwayne Deaver's testimony. So after all that came about, it had turned out that Deaver, who had testified that he had worked on 500 bloodstain cases, written 200 reports, and testified in 60 cases, was fake. He also mentioned that he worked under an assistant director, and the assistant director testified that Deaver had only written 47 reports and had maybe, at the time of the Peterson case, uh, that was only the third time he had ever testified. So because of all this, he was able to get a retrial. He was released from prison on $300,000 bail and was placed under house arrest so that they can then work toward uh, the new trial. Um, But instead, what he did was do an Alford plea. What an Alford plea pretty much means is that he it he still retains his innocence um even though there is sufficient evidence that will convict him of the offense and but he is entering a plea of guilty it is considered a guilty plea in the eyes of the law but he's still able to retain his innocence he still says he did not do it but he knows the evidence points toward him so by this by doing this he was able to change the murder uh, uh, sentence to a manslaughter and was freed because he had served the allotted time in prison already. He had served 98.5 months and he was sentenced to 86 months. So he had already served well above that. So he was free and he was able to go off and live his life, which he is right now. Um, So that's, that's the, 
basis of the trial. The Max series is split up into eight episodes. They're each about an hour or so long. As I mentioned, Colin Firth plays Michael Peterson. I thought he did a really great job. It was actually kind of weird seeing him in such a dark role like this because it's not something that we normally see. But again, it just shows what a chameleon Colin Firth is. He's so amazing. Uh, I, I just, I love him. Uh, Tony Collette plays Kathleen Peterson. Michael uh, Stolbarge Barg is the attorney. Dane DeHaan is Michael Peterson, plays Michael Peterson's oldest son. And Patrick Schwarzenegger, yes, Al, uh, Arnold's son, plays Michael's youngest son. Um, and then obviously there's a bunch of other people, but those were the the top ones. Um, it was directed by Antonio Campos, and it's based off of the docu-series that is on Netflix. So in this series, besides getting, you know, kind of going through the you know, the, the incident on December 9th and the trial and, you know, years leading up to the Alfred plea. It also follows these French documentarians, basically, that decided they wanted to do a documentary on the American justice system. And because Michael's trial had developed a lot of media attention, they chose Michael's case. The defense team agreed and they were able to come over and film a lot of the behind the scenes of Michael talking to his attorneys and prepping for the trial, the actual trial and, you know, things like that. And then obviously when he got out on bail for the retrial and then, you know, dealing with the Alfred plea and so on. So it, uh, it it's all kind of based off of that. So there's a lot of back and forth with this series where, you know, you have present time, you have going back to before Kathleen's murder. And it, it's just a lot of back and forth. You really get to kind of see the cracks in the marriage based off of, obviously, uh, this take. The Petersons, you know, Michael Peterson hates it because he said it's, a you know, a load of crap. Uh, Todd Peterson had come out and mentioned that he never saw his parents fight and he thought it was just a, a load of crap. That seemed to be like the biggest thing. I know there's been a couple of other family members that stepped up and just really didn't like that they decided to do this because it just, again, brings it all back to them and uh, they, they don't want to think about it. You know, it, it wasn't exactly the best moment of their lives. So I can completely understand as to why they aren't happy with it. It seems like there was a couple of series going on at the time that kind of had the same thing, that it's someone's tragedy that Hollywood has taken and made it into some sort of entertainment. And the victims and the victims' families all are upset about it. It just seemed to be a common trend last year, uh, especially during award season and stuff like that. But 
but getting back to the series, uh, it focused a lot on Kathleen and kind of what she was going through in terms of a lot of her stress at work and, you know, dealing with money problems. The company that she was working for was not doing well. The stocks were dropping. She found out basically that she lost her entire retirement because of the stocks dropping. Um, she was just completely stressed. She felt like everything was her responsibility. She had to help everybody. And Michael was kind of just along for the ride. He was a writer. He was running, first he was running for mayor of Durham and then city council, but he, he wasn't working. He wasn't bringing in any money, any contribution to the family because he hadn't been writing for a while. And Kathleen seemed to be supporting everybody. Michael's two boys, each had their own problems and Kathleen was supporting them basically um while also trying to support her and Michael uh whether or not all of that is true obviously I don't know because I don't know them I'm just telling you what the series was showing so you kind of saw Kathleen be extremely stressed out and you know just kind of putting on a facade for everyone that she was this happy woman and was in a happy marriage. They did do a lot of different takes on the possibility of what could have happened to Kathleen as, uh, you know, when she died. Again, one of the possibilities was that she did indeed fall, hit her head, and just was completely knocked out and bled to death. The other was that the owl came and attacked her and she died. And then obviously Michael beating the crap out of her and, and killing her. So they did show three different aspects of that night of what could have possibly happened. They showed different variations of Kathleen and Michael being happy and loving and supportive and like just being so madly in love that you can't even stand it, which is what a lot of people have said, that they were just like the ideal couple. They were couple goals for everybody. Everyone wanted to be them. And, you know, and then it also showed another side where they argued a lot. And, you know, we're getting into worse and worse fights because Kathleen was so stressed and Michael was doing nothing. And, you know, it was just kind of getting to, to both of them and neither of them were really as happy in the marriage as as they made it seem. They also really kind of delved deep into Michael's bisexuality. And you kind of find out at the end, another huge lie that Michael told. So when he was basically fighting to not be put in prison during the trial, he said that Kathleen knew that he was bisexual and that she was totally okay with it and they didn't have an issue. It came out kind of at the end almost at the end, I think it was probably like the second to last scene that that wasn't true. That the two of them had never spoken about Michael's sexuality. So did Kathleen know? We don't know. If she, if she found out, did it cause a rift? And could that have possibly been a motive for murder? We don't know. The thing I like about the end was that it kind of just ends with Colin Firth sitting there, obviously, as Michael Peterson, just kind of staring at the camera. And you kind of see like this little smirk, like this really dark smirk, like he kind of got away with it. 
And it really does leave you with, did he do it? Did he not do it? Who knows? So, you know, it's, it's, you know, I thought that was a really, you know, great part. Again, it's the very last scene, but it made me want to go to Netflix and start watching the docu-series, which I'm going to be doing, which is why I want to do a part two on just the docu-series, because obviously that's the real documentary. You see the real people, you hear the real conversations before the trial and all that stuff. So that'll be coming hopefully sooner rather than later, but we will see. One last thing, uh, or uh, two last things that I want to mention was talking about the children. Like I said, all the kids minus Caitlin, who is Kathleen's biological daughter, were on Michael's side. They did not believe that Michael could have done this. They supported him throughout the trial. They supported him throughout the appeals. And then at the very end, when he was taking the Alfred plea, none of them were there. And it does show like them kind of texting each other and they were happy that he was able to get off. But none of them had a relationship with Michael because Michael was a horrible person. He was nasty to his kids. Again, based on this series, I don't know how he was in real life or if any of this is true. Again, I will find out when I watch the docuseries, but if anything that they put in the series is true about how he treated his kids, I do not blame them at all for stepping away from him. Again, they still supported him from afar, but they just wanted nothing to do with him anymore. I don't know if any of them still talk to him. Again, Todd, the youngest son of Michael, did make a comment and made it known that he does have issues with his father, but that, you know, he didn't like the series because he knew his father and Kathleen had a fantastic relationship and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know what his relationship is with his kids at this time. Obviously, him and Caitlin do not speak because Caitlin believes that he killed her mother. But in terms of the other four, I, I honestly do not know where they all stand at this time. Another thing that was interesting was the editor for the documentary, Sophia, who in the series, I didn't mention her and shame on me, um, but it was played by uh, Julia Binoche, who again, another fantastic actress. So she was the editor of the docu-series and she believed Michael while she was editing, you know, everything leading up into the trial to the, you know, him getting put in prison. And she would write to him and they developed feelings for each other. And she helped, in the series at least, helped him or tried to help him get out of prison by trying to find out what really happened to Kathleen, the owl theory. She was heavily involved in that. You know, she spoke to the Emmy of Durham to see if there's any possibility that anything else could have been in play and really helped him, uh, would come and visit him and started a relationship with him while he was in prison. Talked him into taking the Alfred plea when he 
almost said no because he didn't want to admit any guilt because he retains that he is not guilty on murdering Kathleen, that he loved Kathleen and she was his everything and, you know, the best thing that ever happened to him, blah, 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 blah. She talked him into it because they wanted to move to Par- back to Paris. That was Michael's dream was to retire in Paris with Kathleen. Sophia lives in Paris, so Michael was going to go move in. Uh, they broke up not long after the Alfred plea, and it was actually Sophia that didn't know that Michael lied about Kathleen knowing about the bisexuality. That was that scene because uh, Michael recorded it with just the director, Jean, and said, just have Sophia watch it. Don't say anything to her. And that's when, you know, when Sophia watched it, she realized he lied again. Another lie. She made it seem like she still doesn't believe he did the murder, but it was just another lie. So their relationship ended and Michael is still residing in Durham, North Carolina to this day. He, as I mentioned, is not happy about the series. He said he was not even told that the series was being made. And he he blames Jean for selling out because the series was basically based off of the docuseries. So, um, but what are you going to do? And yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I don't think I really missed anything. I guess maybe the only other thing I could mention is that before when... Michael was running for mayor and then town council. He really had it in for the Durham DA. He thought that he kept going after the little guys. And, you know, he he really had a target on his back. Just attack, 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 attack. And he even told him, like, hey, if you actually, you know, decide to actually go after some big, big things, I'll leave you alone. And then this happened. And it was that DA that was going after Michael. So Michael was kind of making it out like, oh, he's just trying to get revenge on me because of you know, this, 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 and this. So is that true? I don't know. Do I think Michael killed his wife? Yeah, kind of. I do. Um, I think once I watch the docuseries, I might have a more definitive answer, but just kind of based on this, I could definitely see that as as a yes, but we will find out together what I think when I do part two, which is of the Netflix docu-series. I don't know as of right now when that's going to happen because my next like month or so is going to be busy, but I promise I will get it to you guys as soon as possible so that you're not waiting a year and a day. But if you watch the series, what did you think? Is there anything that I missed going over? And do you think Michael Peterson is guilty of murdering his wife, Kathleen Peterson? Let us know. Thanks, guys. Did you like what you heard on our episode today? Well, then feel free to come back and listen to us again. You can find us on all different streaming sites, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it, we're there. And if you really like us, feel free to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Three Fates Decide. That's T H R E E. Fates Decide. You can also email us at threefatesdecide at gmail.com. 
and check out our website at threefaithsdecide.com to find other episodes, information about your three hosts, and all of our other links. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Three Fates Decide.